Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2002, and I just joined a church, joined the music ministry, and became a part of a group that was called the Ensemble. It was separate from the choir, and it's before many Black churches began to have praise teams. So they plucked about two or three for each section, soprano, alto, bass, baritone. And the two women that stood together at this church to sing soprano, myself and Tina Robertson. Tina, at the time, was a licensed social worker, and she worked at a nonprofit but I wouldn't get to know her until it was time to go to another church. <laughs> I joined another church, joined the choir, and joined the praise team as a praise leader. And guess what? Tina joined too. And she also joined the praise team. By this time, Tina and I were thick as thieves. And she was always there. And I was always there through the ups and the downs. In fact, I remember one point going through tumultuous divorce and taking refuge at her house one evening. And she was able to pray with me, but she's also the realest of the real. She could pass me a drink if I needed one. And that night I did. Through it all, Tina has been not just a friend, but also a professional. We also worked together as I ran my company, my agency at the time, my agency took on one of her nonprofits as a pro bono client. And we did work together, both of us proficient in language and communications, both English majors. We have a lot in common. In fact, she is my soror of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I want you to meet Tina because Tina has something to say that is very important at this moment in time right now. And it has to do with mental health. You know, I've been chit-chatting about what it is to have brain fog, what it is to be languishing, to have the blods. In fact, that it's time to sit still and take care of ourselves sometimes. In fact, in this current cultural context with war and rumors of wars going on, and also if you're a Black woman or a woman in general watching the Supreme Court Senate hearings for the confirmation of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, you're probably triggered. Probably the way you were triggered when you watch Vice President Kamala Harris go through the ringer during the debates and before the election. And may also be the way you were triggered when you heard that the people responsible for Breonna Taylor's death would not be held accountable. You know, we're in a crisis sandwich right now. And there's no coach, no internet coach, no, you know what? I know some of us have learned to just take it all to Jesus and Jesus can help you. Please do stick with your faith, but please get yourself to a therapist. Let's get it. Let's do it. 
Hey everybody, I'm so excited because it's a special day. You know, the Culture Soup Podcast is all about Elle Michelle Smith and her friends sitting at the intersection of tech, business, and culture. And I, you know what, I'm real about that. I have friends, but today I have friends. And this young lady I have known for years is yep. Robertson and Tina is a licensed clinical social worker and therapist and she does a lot of other things too. Hey Tina, how you doing? Girl, listen, I was like, am I going to get on the Culture and Soup podcast? What are we doing here? I mean, I'm thinking we are 20 years in. 20 years. We 20 go years a long in. way back. We do. And we when started I think about, about at the daycare though, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think about when we met and at the time we we're at the same church yeah. and it was it was 2002. Yeah. Yeah. And then we ended up going to another church. And yes. so I don't know if you followed me or if I followed you, but we just were like, listen, we just got to be together. That's, that's what it was. <laughs> this is everywhere. So we're just following the Lord. <laughs> that is it. That's it. I'm going where Shell's going. <laughs> and we ended up singing together again. Y'all, Tina has a wonderful mm -hmm. voice. And um, she's one of these precious folks that I share that with. Um, I think the only other person from Concord's been on the show is Minister Gay Arbuckle. And oh. uh, we had a good time talking to around Thanksgiving. The oh my gosh, vocalist extraordinaire. But I got to let your viewers know. I got to let them know. Shell can hit the staircase notes at the oh. top of the staircase. I'm kind of like in the middle or downstairs. Um, <laughs> I know. But well, Michelle, you know what? Up there. El Michelle gets up there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive that because I've had some sopranos on this show. Miss <laughs> Niece Graves, the diva to end all diva. And the first episode I had was Audrey Dubois Harris. You may remember her from Aretha Franklin's funeral. Oh, Mm. Yes. Oh, now listen. So awesome. She's been on twice. So music is a common theme on this show. Right. And yeah. people are going to see that reoccurring. So anyway, um, I'm so excited to have Tina on the show because there's been a lot going on in the world. But before we get into that, how about we have a culture soup moment? I'm in. Let's do awesome. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm always scouring the feeds. I'm looking at social media and I'm noticing that people are worn out Tina we have been through so much I, I feel like it's the longest year and it started at the end of 2019 where, where we learned about the pandemic we had this guy in the White House that most of us were about and we're trying to get him out we had an election that kept us on pins for days and then now that we have our shots and our boosters at least half of us do I don't know um, we feel like we're kind of on the other side of it. We're not really sure. And then boom, Russia invades Ukraine. Mm -hmm. If we're not asleep, you know that that has implications for us too. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to be paying what close to When it comes to how people are feeling right now, what's yeah. all of this going on? Well, you know what? Folks are really over it. I mean, you know, it's like, I'm done. I am at the top of this cup. Like, you know, there's yeah. only so much that will fit in that cup and it's spilling over. And so, Michelle, you know, it's it's that fatigue. It's I can't go on. We have so many people who really at this point are saying that I hear this in therapy. Like I my hope is dashed. Like I was I was yeah. hoping about Hey, this thing is coming out and um, we're coming out of this pandemic. And then there, it just feels like we're just being on the ropes hit side by side. Yeah. But I will and tell you, it in. 
Yeah. When will it end? And so what I keep saying to my clients is, listen, this has been ongoing, but underneath all of that is this grief. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about it enough in our circles of influence and our connections. We see a lot more about anxiety. We Mm -hmm. talk about, again, these this overwhelm. Yeah. Um, But really at the root of it, Michelle, what we're seeing in our culture is extreme levels of grief. And that can come out in anger. It comes out in irritability. It comes out in this snarling that you see, um, you know, contention. But at the base of it, there's been so much loss. Yeah. We're not a society that takes time to just back up and think about, hey, I need to address these losses. We keep moving at breakneck paces because that's in some sense our defense mechanism to what's happening that helps to numb us a little bit. But we are dealing with a lot of grief. So that's what we're seeing. You know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because so many people hear the word grief and they automatically think of death. That's Mm -hmm. our biggest association with the word. And yes, we did lose a lot of people. I mean, I lost friends. There mm-hmm. were some family members. I'm sure you, I don't know anybody who doesn't know somebody who yeah. passed away. But yeah. the, the point about grief that I think that you're hitting on is it's simply loss. So you may have had your hopes and your goals lost, mm-hmm. your plans lost because of what's been going on in the world. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you think about it, the loss of something that's valuable to you, Mm -hmm. that can be an expectation. Like you said, a vision, a goal. People had to pivot so quickly from things that they had planned to do, trips they had planned to take, their kids, they were planning to celebrate kids' graduations, um, other, you know, rites of passage for kids. Those got put on hold or moved. We know for our places of faith, that there was this abrupt, nobody's going. So community was impacted and affected. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things, we we kind of took them. We took the hit and it's like, okay, we've got to make the best of it. And we stay connected through technology. The digital space was such a help. But at the end of the day, there are some things that we can't replace except for to have that authentic connection and to really mourn the losses. Yeah. And we have to identify them to mourn them. And so I think, you know, just helping, helping our friends, helping our communities just understand, I need to identify what are the losses that I've experienced over these last two years? Yeah, that's so and good. Read Go them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And I, I would say this, you know, because I know we've got a, a, a lot of conversation to have, but I want to say this up front in case somebody has to check out, go to the restroom and they might miss something. So I want to say it up front before they take their, their restroom break. <laughs> make a list. Just yeah. sit, have some quiet time and just make a list of those things that you that hurt, that you you felt like, man, I wish I had done that. That's a loss. You, I yeah. wish I had been able to experience that. That's a loss. And we can't grieve all losses at the same time. No. We have to do them one by one. So we just take a little bit at a time. And so I just want to encourage that process to start with because that, you said that. Some of that that fatigue that we're feeling, it's going to help kind of give us a little bit more of a space where we pull back some of our, our, our energy. That's so good. You know, we know even in neuroscience that you have to name it. Your yes. brain needs you to name it. We know yes. from positive psychology, you've got to write it down, <laughs> right? Yes. So the fact that, you know, I work with very high performing women and men, 
and our inclination is to power through. So you have a lot of people that despite what was going on, they were just pushing through no matter what, pushing through, pushing through. And I don't know how many months, maybe even years now, people have been doing that. And now they're hitting a wall because they haven't processed it. And that's what you're describing. Yeah. And it takes time. That's the thing. And I think we have to, you know, we, we think about our culture and the, the dominant culture is not really about rhythm and pacing. Mm-hmm. It's about pushing through. Yeah. And so when you think about grieving, when you think about mourning, and, and so if we just think about historical times, biblical times, there were times set where people took literally days, yeah. months to simply mourn. And you had to rent the raiment. There was a whole ritual. Yeah, it was a ritual. It was a ritual. And then it was like, okay, this season has ended. Let's move on. But it was easier to move on because there had been the season and the time and the depth of work. Because Mm -hmm. mourning is a little bit different than grieving. So grieving is a process of mourning, but it's what your body naturally does to allow you to process the hurt. Mourning is really an intentional effort to say, I'm going to process this and it is a task. So Dr. William Wharton, who's a psychologist in Harvard, he has a a framework called the four tasks of mourning. Mm, And within that, it's about processing. It's about memorializing. It's about saying, how do I take this next step to incorporate this loss into my next stage of life? Because you don't completely get over it, but you learn to live with it and integrate it. And so those those tasks are work. They're things that we have to actually do and feel and feeling does not always feel good. Right. Yeah. But we have to do that to process it and get to the other side. And so that's where I see a lot of the work needed. It's I'm going to be intentional about feeling it, taking the time. And then how do I integrate and incorporate this? And that's a process, but we have to choose it. Well, you know what? You made a very good point about culture. And yes, we live in a capitalistic society. And so many of our brown and black indigenous people, that is not where we came from. Yeah. We came from community. And so we find ourselves trying to rectify those things and it's hard. And then if you add on top of it, the fact that during all of this that's going on, the police killings continued, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, or, or even on, in, in Ahmaud Aubrey's case, wasn't even police. It's just vigilante craziness, right? Yeah. We saw all of that unfold. We saw Breonna Taylor not get justice and her family mm-hmm. not get justice. And if you are black and you are sitting at work, still mm-hmm. powering through, yeah. I, I got to stop and tell you this. I, we, we discussed it a little bit on the last um, episode, but at that moment when the Breonna Taylor thing happened and well, it was after it happened. And when we found out that nobody's going to get charged for it, mm-hmm. I reached out to all the black women executives that I knew and said, Hey, meet me on zoom for 50 minutes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To process this. And we had a group coaching, but it was interesting to see the differences in the way people were processing things, but oh, they yeah. were all so excited to have the space. Yeah, that's not something that they had. And, and until I had asked, they wouldn't have probably given it to themselves. So you have to be intentional about it, because what if I hadn't made that call? 
No, absolutely. And I know that those women are so um, just grateful and indebted oh, to you. Oh, I was grateful. <laughs> I mean, right. I needed that moment. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. And I mean, in my workplace, um, we pulled together affinity groups. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, this uh, uh, committee that I was working on, racial trauma committee, and we just approached our leadership and said, look, if you want us to show up yeah. <laughs> in any way that makes sense. And they, uh, you know, they said, of course, and it really was such a, a an important time in a safe space just to talk through it and say, hey, listen, how do I have this conversation with my supervisor who doesn't look like me to say, hey, I don't want to get up and come yeah. to work. And how do I do that in a way that um, allows them to have empathy or to understand that it's our our experiences are different and we need different things. And that's okay because we're not in any kind of grief Olympics or whatever. We we all hurt the way that we hurt and we all need what we need. That's why equity is so important because Mm -hmm. we meet the meet the need based upon that individual person's, um, you know, the way that they're made up and what and what they really need to get through. Well, you know, it's so important to have a therapist in your life. I'm blessed to have a friend, but I also have a therapist. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so a therapist, but I also I have my own therapist. <laughs> you know, she's going to end up sending me a bill one day after me calling her and talking to her. But um, it's just important. And we're back to this cultural thing. It wasn't until recently that it became okay to even just mention mm-hmm. that you were going to therapy or that you were even agreeing to go to therapy because culturally this was something just, it was a sign of weakness or maybe you were admitting you were crazy or it was just looked upon as this tisk. You know what? Take it to Jesus and leave it at the cross. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's so important. Tell it what you want. Yeah. And so... It's, it's a new way that people are thinking. I'm glad they are because we need, everybody needs a check under the hood. You just need it. Yeah. But on top of that, we have our societal issues that we're dealing with and then pile on top of that our cultural issues. And then you start to think, what if I could have a, a therapist that looked like me? And boom, yeah. Christina, are you seeing this conversation happening more and more, the demand for black even black women therapists, mm-hmm. you know, to have somebody that looks like you that understands what you're going through. Yeah. Well, I, listen, I will tell you, I think so. We, we kind of hit this different stride in in the racial trauma space. Mm-hmm. So, we you know, those those deaths. Um, those murders over the last two years, they took us to a different place. And mm-hmm. for our generation, um, you know, I came in on the back end. I was like a little baby in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Right. But this was big is big for our generation. And so I believe that that was a driving factor coupled with the pandemic for black therapists and advocates to come out and say, we have got to get some help. Yeah. And our millennial generation, I have to give it to them and the Gen Z's. Mm-hmm. They they okay with that. Like they yeah. put it out. There, no, now I'm not going to repeat what mom and them did. Right. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be the one to break the curse. Absolutely. And so um, I've been so encouraged to see groups like the, the Boris L. Henson Foundation, Taraji Henson's Foundation, and you've got um, Charlemagne the God. They're talking, they're having these conversations here locally. Jay Barnett, who is actually, he's local, but he's all over the place. And he's really focused on black men, mental health. Um, mm-hmm. This is starting to happen all over. There is actually a therapy group that does virtual therapy. They're called Hurdle. 
I'm not sure familiar with them, but um, you can reach out to them via Hurdle app. And they actually trained therapists to specifically target multicultural individuals who are seeking care. That's and fantastic. so we're starting to see it because there has been a movement by, I really believe, the millennial generation to say, mm -hmm. we have to do things differently. We cannot suffer like our parents suffered. And so, yes, the conversation is not just emerging, but it's taking center stage. And I'm so proud of my colleagues for doing this. That's amazing. I'm glad that, you know, you're right. That was that point, a critical point in, in our culture where it was just a key moment in time for us. About the time that I released my book and I'd already started my practice, but I understood that at that moment, there was a moment of opportunity, but there was a moment that people just really needed support. Mm -hmm. And uh, the black therapists out there, even therapists who weren't black, that were supporting and trying to support folks that were black <laughs> and all the coaches that actually got the training, you know, yeah. to be able yeah. to support people and then refer them to therapists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between, let's talk about this. There is a difference between coaching, counseling, yes. consulting yes. and therapy. Yeah. And sometimes I think our people try to blur them all. Well, so, you know, that's the thing that happens a lot of times, I think, with with the culture. There's always that other side of things that you go, OK, now we just took this to the extreme. <laughs> um, I think about even right now and, and I, this is, you know, I have this conversation in a serious manner with some of my clients, mm -hmm. especially my adolescent clients. Um, TikTok in particular has really hijacked the mental health profession. Yeah, because. There's such a need. So it's like where it, we live in this capitalistic society, right? So where is the opportunity to have a platform, make some money and get in where I fit in to either build brand or to, to have a name? And the mental health space is not the space to come in and do that no. because there is a lot of harm that can be done and is being done, especially when you see targeting young people on TikTok and saying, hey, if you have this, you may be bipolar. If you have that, these are really um, these are diagnoses that you need to see a patient, but that's, you know, that's not the case. So we really want to caution our viewers and our friends out there to make sure that when you are accessing services, that you're asking those questions. Tell me about your background. Tell me about your yeah. specialty, tell me about your training. Um, and you want to just do a little bit more research because anybody can put up a platform, put up a profile. And um, put some pictures up and pair it and take someone else's stuff and put it up. That's but exactly what's really, happening. Yeah, and that's what's happening. And so just want to urge, you know, because the worst thing in the world that I think happens when somebody reaches out for help and they're ready to get that help, Shell, you know how this goes. Mm -hmm. If they connect with the wrong person. Yeah. Um, it just spirals it, it down. It makes the trauma or whatever the challenge is worse. And then if that person doesn't reach out again, then wow. I mean, that's someone who's suffering, who could potentially have mental health issues that are worsening. So um, I think that's part of our responsibility as therapists and anybody else who has a platform to say, hold on, let's make sure we're yeah. really checking credentials and asking the right questions. You know what? I put something up that was very unpopular on TikTok and I know because I didn't get any likes, <laughs> but it's along these <laughs> lines. 
so I don't know if you caught Love is Blind season two, which is like complete junk TV. I didn't watch it. I don't watch it. Take it in because there is a, a personality there that people have decided is narcissistic. Mm, that's and another that's another buzzword now. This is what I'm talking about, okay? Mm-hmm. As much as I didn't care for Shake, that's what he called himself. His name was Shake. Uh-huh. And as much as he probably did have some tendencies, mm-hmm. unless he goes and gets the therapy and someone diagnoses him as that, you have disengaged in slander. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. by calling him that. And so, you know, and here's the thing. He used to say armchair psychology. It's uh-huh. it's TikTok psychology. Yes. You know, and it's yes. echo effect. People just repeat and repeat and repeat. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the thing is that people are doing this with people they know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, so you got narcissism, toxic. Yes. Uh, I mean, styles, everybody's talking about that. Yeah, attachment. And I mean, I'm an attachment-based therapist. So yes. there is, that's a theory. That's an important theory. But you you need to be in safe spaces with a clinically trained person to help you really unpack what all those things mean mm-hmm. and whether or not they're relevant to you. Because right. what we do is we dumb all that stuff down when mm-hmm. we make it that it's everybody. Yeah. Um, to some degree, you know, we're all selfish in this population. We all have, mm-hmm. we all may act with some narcissistic tendencies. We're not narcissists. Right. And that's that's different. That's different. <laughs> We all can be selfish at times because yeah. that's how we, we were born that way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and then every situation is toxic. Some things are really just humans. We're being yeah. human and we have to learn and grow and heal. And so we can't pathologize every single thing. And so it's it's really gotten to a place where it's concerning, I think, in my yeah. opinion, because I'm hearing and seeing so much more. And I'm not on TikTok as much. I got to limit my social media because I actually literally got to see some people. That's the business you're in. You got to be on it. The business I'm in is like, I got to tell people to get off of it because it's yeah. aggravating. We talk about it too because, okay, another case in point, the word, the 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 um, concept of imposter theory, of imposter syndrome, been around yeah. since the 70s, sitting yeah. there dormant. That's it. That's it. Completely dormant. And then yeah. somebody, I don't know who, said it I guess it got on the internet and now every woman on the planet has imposter syndrome because they said so. Yeah. And one of the, it becomes my business because I get a lot of these executives that will say, I have imposter syndrome. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I saw it written in the wall street journal and it confirmed everything I thought, because that word does not appear in my book for a very good reason. And that is that as a woman, but especially as a woman of color, we walk into spaces that automatically other mm-hmm. us. Absolutely. And I don't care how many people, parents, your tribe or whoever who have told you, you can do everything. You can do anything. You know, your faith has told you, you can do all things through Christ. Yeah. And you walk into that building knowing that you can and walking out thinking you can't. That mm-hmm. is not imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. progressive. That's other. <laughs> That's so racial. Trauma. Like, you know, a lot of these women are like, oh, my gosh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and then, and then again, there are some situations where really we're dealing with just the just being a human. So do I get scared if I do something new? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you Am have I, 
nervous if yes. I have to take <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> Self-diagnosis through pop yes. culture. It's, yes. I think it's limiting a lot of people and they decide to self-diagnose just kind of like you do when you're on Google. You have a little ailment and you Google it. Oh my gosh, WebMD, WebMD said so. So I must <laughs> have it. Myo Clinic. That concludes part one of episode 165. We're going to have episode 166 week after next with Tina Robertson as we continue our conversation about the therapy we need now. In fact, we need it so desperately. Listen, I want you to tune in because she has a podcast. It's called Freed Up. And you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your great podcasts, where she integrates faith and mental wellness and mental health. You want to hear more from Tina. She has a lot to say. And I'll see you next week. The Co-Jersey Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.